So I went to an Italian restaurant. Tell me. And I ordered an anti antipasto. Yeah? They said, well, actually, we don't have any prosciutto. And I was like, this is terrible. So I was like, can you substitute it with like sofrasade? He's like, yeah. Tony Baldone would have grabbed that guy by the lapels of his jacket and lifted him up and put his head into the ceiling. He was so tall already, and he stood like really close to me, and he just wanted me to know like that he was the one standing. Did his breath smell like the fine-cured Italian meat of which he professed to have none of? It's interesting. No, it was like basil. Mm. So the antipasto platter comes, you know, okay. in, qu- in quotes. Yeah. You know, a little mozzarella, a little tomato, mm. some peppers. Delicious. We're eating, eating it. We had to order a pe- order one, you know, one of the specialty pizzas. Uh, of course. In the meantime, so they take the you know the empty plate away because you know we were Thank hungry. you. Earning the tip. Thank you. Mm. They come back with the pizza. It's prosciutto covering the entire pizza. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. I, I made that face too. I was like, hmm. Interesting. What is this? It's a concept, I, I guess. I could have used half this prosciutto on the other thing. Like you have a concept album, you have a concept pizza now, I guess. I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I like art, but this is a little much. Yeah, exactly. You know, the freedom to experiment is what we love about this country. Yeah. But this one didn't really go that well. Yeah, the pursuit of happiness, but you don't have, it's not the guarantee. You know what I'm saying? Not the prosciutto happiness. Well, yeah. listen. Three stars. We pursue happiness every week here on the Heavy Hole Podcast. Yes. You're Tom over there, aren't you, sir? I am. I am Tom. I'm Will, a.k.a. Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. Did it. I've been in Jumanji. Yeah. You're back. <laughs> I mean, this is... I went to go see uh, the new Disney movie Jungle Cruise uh, shortly after we ended the last podcast. The, are you, the last podcast, you were talking about having already seen that. It, I feel like you've been lost in a time-space continuum. This it was so good, I had to see it again. Oh, that makes way more sense, practically. In but. the city so nice, they named it twice. Mm. New York, Huntington. <laughs> <laughs> Huntington, New York. Huntington, Huntington. <laughs> well, technically, because there's like the larger township of Huntington. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're in Huntington proper, you're in Huntington, Huntington. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, you'd be Huntington, okay. Huntington. You'd be Huntington Greenlawn if you're yeah. a pussy or something. I don't Ooh, know. Yeah. No, I wouldn't go over there in so Greenlawn. Right. No, it's a beautiful place. He's, I'm kidding. He's back. Huntington. I was looking for property. Listen, Greenway Hunt- Deli, Green Garden. They got a nice little theme over there. It's I, beautiful. I go and stand on Huntington Bay Road in Huntington Bay, New York, and laugh. Mm. Yeah. Just that's for fun. Plebs. Well, listen, as yeah. you've been laughing into the abyss... Yeah. You're back. What's your name, sir, for the listeners who forgot? What's going on? This is Justin. Thank you, whoever rolled a five or an eight. God bless this man. Yeah, and you appeared. They summoned you, D&D style. That's right. I got reverse sucked out of the, set, the middle of the game. Yeah, one one less uh, uh, die on the, that roll, and it would have been a kobold. Which you can't Speaking really of roll, I think we might have the ability to just roll right into this interview. Oh, yeah? Yeah, man, because he's in the room. Okay, well, listen, wow. the he, and uh, the, we're going we're gonna to fact check that. We don't want to assume this person's gender That's either. That's a good call, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, This is we got an interesting one tonight. Philadelphia's necrosexual, the most electrifying band in corpse entertainment, is fronted by none other than the necrosexual himself and their new EP, Seeds of Seduction. 
is about to be released. So we're going to get him on the horn. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to assume that. We're going to get Necrosexual on the horn and sort everything out from as far back as we can go. That's no right. pun intended. I'm yeah. just going to hit admit, and we got him. We're in. Hello. In the haze of red lights, we stand pale. The question mark at the end of your fairy tale. This is Big Will from Heavy Hole Podcast, joined by my co-hosts Tom and Justin. Welcome back, Justin. Oh, thank you so much, guys. But tonight, our special (laughs) guest is none other than Philadelphia's Necrosexual. How are you? I feel grim. Hmm. The grim one. Uh... Well, and I have to I have to stop you for a second, uh, Big Will, because you you actually mispronounced my name. It's the Necro Sexual. Ooh. You got to get the falsetto. Ooh. Well, you know the listeners know I I mispronounce names from time to time. I'm upfront about it. Uh, yeah. So that's the <laughs> Necro Sexual. Ooh, it's pretty good. Uh, nice. You guys, you didn't think I was going Dude, there. Tone. I thought you were already yeah. talking in your falsetto. Yeah, the listen, yeah, this was already this is my falsetto. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm a big fan of R&B artist uh, The Dream, who had uh, the smash hit single Falsetto. I'm, I'm a fan. So I'm, I'm well-versed, um, sir, sir. Thank you. Hell now, yeah. Necrosexual, uh, I was telling the listeners in our intro about your upcoming EP, Seeds of Seduction. Did I get that right? Hell yeah. Okay. We want to talk about that and get into it uh, and about your history, too. But we go all the way back, no pun intended, uh, on this podcast, so I want to get into the history of the necrosexual. Um, of course, baby, yeah. Yeah, so what? where does the necrosexual come from? The short answer is my grandmother's basement. <laughs> <laughs> and the longer answer, I would say, I listened to Slayer the very first time when I was 14 years old. It was on the night of my 14th birthday, and that was really the first moment my heavy metal hard-on was birthed in my mind's eye and from there on you know the seeds of necrosexual seduction were planted with me i was obsessed with 80s thrash metal and black metal for most of my teenage years and as the necrosexual as a performer as you may know him i'm approaching my 10 year anniversary this september so that's also exciting that was the very first time i got on stage publicly and performed in my corpse paint to mediocre applause, but it's been one hell of a ride ever since. And the Necrosexual as the musical project that came to being uh, in earnest about going on like five or six years ago in 2015. Okay. So the Necrosexual has some deep origins there. Uh, (laughs) Can you tell us about the Necrosexual's first venture into not just being obsessed with music, but performing music on an instrument? Yeah, well, I'm a bass player first and foremost. I grew up in the grim and frostbitten Pocono Mountains of Strasburg, Pennsylvania. (laughs) And uh, I was actually really lucky because I was able to get bass lessons from Nick Douglas, who plays bass in Doro Pesh's band and has done so since the early 90s. So it's one of those kind of chance encounters that Destiny would have. Uh, so yeah, I've been I've been playing bass for going on 20 years, and uh, 
being playing music, rocking and rolling on stage, that's always been a professional and personal goal of mine. And in the past, while I was doing the necrosexual stuff, I was wondering, like, oh, should I have a band too? Should I have a serious band? Will people not take it seriously? But eventually, I was I realized I had something with the necrosexual. I had music, and I said, what the hell? Like, I should I should start writing songs about raising hell and consulting Ouija boards to establish consent with the dead and others forms Sounds of partying important. and rambunctious filth and it's been one hell of a ride ever since wow establishing consent with the de- I've been listening to a lot of death metal for a long time I don't know that I've right. ever ever heard that subject matter referenced that's yeah. something different right you could trying to be a pervert and a gentleman so you know, <laughs> make sure that Ouija board says yes and then dive the hell in baby now uh, if, if I got it right the other personnel in your camp uh, lead guitar is performed by the Vigo uh, yes, Anthony Vigo Gabriel we met working at a restaurant in the kitchen he was the sous chef and I was the dessert pastry guy and I always put a little bit of extra necrosexual cream in all the desserts oh. if you know what I mean <laughs> oh that sounds fun that sounds like a great <laughs> career uh, are you still uh, or were you into cooking <laughs> I still am a little bit uh, uh-huh. If you can't tell by an album cover that has steak cover in my crotch, but we it, both do it well, recreationally, not really uh, professionally anymore. Okay, in I mean, all, the steak wasn't really that cooked, so I had to ask. In all right. fairness, yes, it did not look cooked, sir. Consenting of steak. So, right, yeah. All right. Uh, so I, I don't know if we want to advertise um, where you might still be preparing pastries or not, allegedly. <laughs> But uh, uh, you no, that's a- okay. I'm not. I'm not doing it. Uh, you know, for consumption of public anymore. So I have. I have hung up my my pastry apron. So yeah, it's a private. Uh, I do. Now. You can't. You might be able to find me. And I've been on TV in Philadelphia at Frankie Bradley's, which is Philadelphia's own House of Weird, right in Center City. So that's a awesome place for like-minded freaks with everything from drag shows to rock and roll concerts to uh, burlesque and cabaret and a hell of a menu too. And uh, in terms of the other necrosexual camp, it would be remiss not to mention this, the drum basher, Mike Churry, the Fury of Churry, we call him. He's also played drums in some cult death metal bands like The Form, which has a posthumous album out uh, on uh, Carbonized Records. And he also plays drums in a band you might know called Basilisk. So a very talented and uh, eight-limbed sounding individual right there. Oh, okay, uh, interesting. And and you... you... I know that as the the necrosexual, uh, there's more than just this uh, band. You also perform, uh, it says, burlesque uh, and stand-up comedy. Yes. Is that, what was the name of the, the club? It was a club you just talked about before? Oh, Frankie Bradley's. Is that where you perform? Yeah, that's a, there's a couple places I performed. I mean, some of it's, I was so uh, grimly blessed to host the 2018 satanic panic which was a big occult and heavy metal themed burlesque show in chicago with an awesome burlesque performer known as red rum she does all sorts of really killer like uh, gruesome kind of horror makeup and special effect design burlesque um so that was something that i, I performed at as a host uh frankie bradley's I actually performed on their very opening night in 2015 of their cabaret space, and I poured glitter all over myself without realizing that like glitter is death for electronics. So uh, I was lucky enough to be invited back since then. Ooh, <laughs> ooh. And yeah, with uh, with the necrosexual, 
I perform with very much the mindset of being the most electrifying man in corpse entertainment and being a renaissance fool. And what that means is being somebody that can put on a show across multiple disciplines and, uh, you know, always having that work ethic to, to get out there, you know, and spread the brand of necromania across disciplines and, you know, sort of being like the Joan Rivers of black metal. I take that to heart. Joan Rivers was somebody who was always working, whether it was doing comedy shows or commercials. She was always out there and hustling and she was fucking funny and she was savage too. So I kind of, I hope that I'm doing what she was doing when I, when I reached that age as well. Would you consider uh, doing the corpse paint thing permanently, as I'm sure the true Joan Rivers would do? A black <laughs> That'd be pretty gnarly. I think that uh, you know, for corpse paint to be uh, successful, it needs to be paint. And also, uh, I'm not really much of a face tattoo person because one of the things that I like about my corpse paint is that it evolves over time. So it's very much like Picasso's different eras of his art form. There's no like, there's no one singular look. It's evolved and it's grown over time. And some looks stay, some looks go. But I like that, you know, I can get on stage or you can see a picture of me and my face, my paint might be a little bit different than it was in other times, but you'll still know it's me. So I like that it's kind of a fluid evolution. Okay, and I now so we, you just said the, the key word evolution. That's what's on my yes. mind right now because I want to know how we go from a young metalhead uh, 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 planted with the seed of, of metal, like you were describing before, to yes. uh, the full-on Renaissance entertainer, um, the the necrosexual, because uh, because not every a, a lot of people get into metal at a young age. Not everybody, as a matter of fact, ev- not nobody except one becomes the necrosexual. <laughs> right, there will only ever be one, the grim one. But that is a good question because when I was younger, I always wanted to be on stage. I knew I wanted to play music and it took a while for me to get to that part of my life. You know, there were a lot of years in my teenage years and in my early 20s, a lot of bands start out young and just the way my life went, that didn't really happen for me. Um, But it did eventually, you know, the necrosexual in a big way kind of allowed an avenue for me to pursue that. But, I think part of it came from a hunger to perform and to entertain people. I was I was pretty shy growing up, uh, aside from maybe like with people I was close with, like my friends. But even though I was shy, like I still kind of like wanted to be on stage. I was always kind of jealous of like the, when the school play would happen or when there were like pep rallies, and I was I was just watching as a spectator. Um, and that's some that's some real deep shit there, right? Talk about some uh, traumatic awkward high school memories no uh, but i think that uh, the other part of it came from using basically using my fuel of being a very mediocre and and underperforming you know stand-up comedian uh when i was in my early 20s and i had this this idea for heavy metal kind of satire and comedy and the name necrosexual came into my head because it was kind of a celebration and also a, a, a satire of a lot of the music that I grew up with. And it wasn't too hard to find a lot of the material because so much of, of heavy metal culture, especially with extreme metal, is, is pretty ridiculous beyond beyond satire. <laughs> um, so a lot of it just came from like the things I'd picked up and just listening to, to music over the years. And again, the seeds slowly being planted. But I'll say that you know, the first time I got on stage and told everybody to shut up and started 
just acting like a complete wild man in corpse paint, it got a reaction from the audience right away. And one of the things with, uh, with improv comedy is you have to pay attention to what the audience does. And when they do react, one of the simple rules is like, find that something, find that game that uh, will make them engage in a certain way and make them make noise and holler. And then once you find it, you keep doing it. So really a lot of the evolution has just been continuing to explore and dive deeper into what, you know, the necrosexual is. And then just keeping my mind open, not just as a musician or a comedy or a comedy person or an interviewer with interviewing bands and just finding a way to continually do that across uh, the multiple fronts of world necro domination. Okay. All right. There's a lot, a lot there. Um, you now, besides the music, you you know, you talked about the Joan Rivers uh, inspiration. You also have a YouTube channel as the Necrosexual, yeah. where you've interviewed a variety of artists. Um, uh, yes. You know, none none to sneeze at, really. Too. You've had some bigger. You've had Alex Skolnick, I believe. Um, yeah. You, you had Steve Grimmett of Grim Reaper before Heavy Hole Podcast uh, exclusive. <laughs> um, uh, respect there, but uh, you know you've, you've interviewed quite a few people from a different. I've uh, interviewed you. Backgrounds. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I wasn't trying to brag, but I have yeah. been. I have been on the uh, the necrosexual channel too to talk my shit. Um, but what I'm curious about has the necrosexual ever been too much for a guest? Uh, uh, has yeah. a guest ever been a little bit too? <laughs> yeah, the short answer is yes. Mm, not okay. Not so often, but you know sometimes I get uh, rejected. Being, a, being an artist and being an entertainer and sometimes being a journalist means you have to, a journalist rather, means you have to deal with rejection. Uh, usually it's polite. Usually it's people just saying, no, we're gonna, we're gonna pass on this. This isn't for us. Um, one example that I think is really funny is when I interviewed Abath, mm -hmm. uh, another big, big name and a heavy metal hero of mine in 2015. He was playing Philadelphia and in context, you know, Abath doesn't even do interviews anymore <laughs> because I feel like He's just been, he's been, uh, you know, he's in his own world. So I'm lucky I got to interview him when I did in 2016 at the Decibel Tour when he was still giving interviews. You know, maybe I cursed him and that's why he no longer does them. But uh, the video is online. But originally we interviewed him before the show, which is normally what happens most of the time. We'll be at the show. The artist will have some downtime before they play and we'll talk then. But in this case, I got there. He seemed like he was a little bit on edge, so we set up. He didn't really know that I was in corpse paint. I try to be forthcoming and let their publicists know or let them know like what I do, that it is comedy, that I'm trying to have a good time and also make them look good and, and that it's all in uh, grim fun. But some people still are a little bit put off, especially because he was in paint and I was in paint. And so the camera rolls and I'm like, all right, this is the necrosexual and I'm here with the man who is so grim and frostbitten that it makes my nipples hard. I'm off. And then he's like, excuse me. And he just gets up and walks out of the room. <laughs> because I guess the line about, the, why did you have to say the thing about the nipples? It's uh, silly. So I guess that rubbed him wrong. But eventually he was like, uh, come back after the show and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll sweat it out and I'll be better. And, and sure enough, we hung out after the show. Uh, he was super cool. Like I think it was just pre-show nerves or whatever. And the party juices were flowing. And he ended up talking to us for like 45 minutes on the last night of the tour, you know, Matt Pike even came in from High on Fire to say like, hey, see ya, it's been a good tour. We were still there like hanging out, trying to film an interview. So uh, I'm really glad that, that that worked out and he didn't just walk out and say, get the hell out of here. And uh, it's 
prescribed or preserved rather for posterity on the internet. <laughs> well, I, I did watch that interview today and I was surprised until he explained because it because it does come off very good. He came off like you guys had a good time with one another. Um, and the editing was cool too, man. Do you produce and edit uh, all those videos and interviews you do? Yeah, so a lot of them I've edited myself. Uh, with that one, I've had a longtime producer, Liam McGlynn, uh, who's helped me with a lot of productions as well as music videos. He was one of the people that filmed that Steve Grimmett interview, like you mentioned. So in that case, um, I think Liam filmed it and he did like a first edit and then I edit. But a lot of the stuff, a lot of my own podcast, a lot of music videos, uh, most a, a big chunk of the interviews I've done, I've also edited. So behind the scenes behind the camera and in front of the camera i'm firing on all cylinders baby <laughs> all right so l let's talk now a little bit about getting into the necrosexual did you was it hard to recruit uh other musicians to be part of this concept at first it was it started off in 2000 we played our first show it was valentine's day 2014 i remember and it was a very short-lived band. I basically poached uh, a friend of mine and two of the musicians that were in a uh, band called Surgeon from Philadelphia, and they helped out. And then after that, for the next like two years, almost like three years, it was hard finding a drummer and finding a consistent lineup. And that's that's really what got me to playing bass and vocals because I already did, uh, I already played bass and I was like, why are we wasting their precious time trying to find somebody to do this instrument when I can already play it and scream at the same time? And so that really worked out. I never thought of myself as being like a front man type, but the opportunity presents itself. So that that's uh, now I can't imagine myself doing anything else on stage. And then with uh, the current lineup, you know, Anthony and I, like I mentioned, my guitarist, a lot of the songs I write, but Anthony has like a really good uh, sort of hard rock, like arena rock kind of classic. Randy Rhodes, uh, virtuoso guitar playing background. And I have a lot more of a kind of like nasty, like thrash and maybe more of like a rhythmic and lead bass background. So we kind of complement each other pretty well. And we go back, we were friends at the restaurant going back almost 20 years in the early 2000s. So it was sort of like just hitting up an old buddy who had some great riffs and ton of guitars that were sitting around and I was like, let's make this happen. And uh, same thing with the drummer. I saw Deform. It was actually their last show in Philadelphia and their guitarist unfortunately passed away about six months later. But I remember the drummer had a Morpheus Descends baseball cap on and was killing it. It was like, mm. this is the best drummer I've seen live besides maybe like Dave Lombardo, but he was playing like in a way that can give Pete Sandoval a run for his money. And I had never seen anybody that was like younger than me wearing a Morpheus Descent hat. So I knew this kid was the real deal. And uh, eventually over the course of uh, much persuasion and a few jazz cigarettes, I was eventually able to get him to lay down some tracks for the Necrosexual Band and the rest is history. Wow, all right. So, cause that was gonna be one of my other questions I was leading up to was writing and how much uh, you partake of the writing um, yeah. go, and I want to go back chronologically to your first album, Grim One, from 2018. Yes. Have you always done the writing, or has that responsibility shifted between band members over the releases? Yeah, for the most part, the, I'd say um, the, at least 75% of the songwriting comes from me. Uh, but, you know, Anthony, he has some good licks on Grim One as well. Uh, the song The Bottomless Pit, 
which is one of our concert staples. It's pretty much all of Anthony's uh, songwriting, as well as uh, My Kind of Freaks. And again, Anthony was also really good to have on board with the arrangement because uh, with that album in particular, you can kind of hear the evolution even between certain songs because when I started writing necrosexual music, I was originally kind of going like for a stripped down, like almost like uh, the White Stripes or like the Misfits style, like levels of songs, like really, really, really simple because in the past I was, I wanted to get on stage, but I didn't know about like the type of people that I would be able to recruit. So I wrote it on like the simplest type of songs possible. Um, and you know, some of those simple songs like Dead Sexy and Necrosexual Encounter are still some of our most popular ones and concert staples. So I think there's something to be said about writing just really catchy to the point, sort of like rock and roll, uh, pop sensibility songs. But Anthony also has had a big role in just kind of the arrangement with like, hey man, you should put a solo there, or like add this rockabilly part. And he, he lends a lot to kind of that big uh, lead guitar style sound and the tonality. So, you know, moving forward, if I ever do a tour, if there's ever a chance that, as we've done in the past, sometimes you need to fill in the guitar part on the road or I need to fill in the, guitar, the drummer on the road. It's like to fill in somebody like Anthony, you need to have like not just a tight rhythm guitarist. You really need like a lead guitarist who can understand the virtuoso element because it's part of our sound. Maybe George Lynch will be available. We'll see. Yeah, right. Yeah, a can dream. I tried hitting up Alex Skolnick, but he's a little bit busy with some of his jazz projects. You know? These guys, they don't know about the necrosexual. All right. <laughs> well, you mentioned something that I was going to touch on, too. I'm glad that synced up. You talked about how in the beginning you wrote songs that were a little bit more simplistic in structure. Um, and I noticed that because reviewing the Grim one, um, it did seem a little more punk, a little bit more old school and stripped down. Then the Gory Hole Overture in F-sharp EP from 2019, it seemed like you opened up. There almost seemed like a little bit more old-school death metal and Black Sabbath going on in that record. Is that fair? Yeah, I would say that is pretty accurate. And and thank you for uh, correctly pronouncing the title of that album. Everybody calls it the Glory Hole. And I'm like, no, dude, like the pun is over your head. You're missing the point. <laughs> It's a thinker, um, but, yeah, think about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, that was sort of a, a little bit of a concept. We had the first album down, and we had a new song, the title track, which is another one that Anthony had pretty much written most of. We combined a few riffs on that, but that was very much Anthony's influence, uh, as well as the introduction song, the uh, Necromutants March Through Hell. That was another kind of one of Vigo's ideas, just sort of like a simple kind of like pro-wrestling entrance-style music. Uh, that's of course become like how we open every show to rambunctious affair uh, but yeah I mean we wanted to kind of make it like uh, it almost lends itself it'll be a good tape whenever we release it on cassette because it really is a concerto all of the songs uh, pretty much in that suite are in F sharp so it kind of has a good flow it's got that cover of uh, In Ancient Days by the band Black Widow uh, which was uh, got a little plug from their, uh, I think their departed flute player a couple years ago when he was still alive. And uh, yeah, we also recorded the Gory Hole more or less live in the studio. I kind of went, talking about old school death metal, I was inspired by like Napalm Death, the Peel Sessions, uh, those bands that got in the studio, like in the live studio and laid down their stuff without a click track live and with pretty minimal overdubs. So that was really fun to do in a short amount of time. That's interesting. It's like now that makes a lot of sense having just reviewed it today, 
because it sounds like it was recorded live. It has that, it, like I said, old school kind. Maybe that's where I get that Black Sabbath kind of atmosphere from. It has a very yeah. old, like seventies uh, roots, you know, heavy metal thing going on. Yeah, um, maybe that's a high compliment to be compared to Black Sabbath or old school death metal. So I'll take it, baby. Yeah, yeah, man. So, well, uh, I am high, so you know, hold on. But uh, <laughs> allegedly, Woo! but well, what I'm building up to is you were kind enough to send us over some promotional files to listen to your upcoming EP Seeds of Seduction, and that yeah. has a much. Uh, it doesn't sound sterile by any stretch of the imagination, but it sounds more slick. Than your first two releases it sounds a little bit more polished and professional and even the songwriting uh it took me back i gotta admit it took me back a little bit to like king diamonds and that Hell sort yeah. of progressive uh 80s uh uh dark heavy metal is is that is that an influence is that something you might have been going for of course i mean king diamond is one of my heavy metal heroes anytime you you sing with the falsetto and also wear corpse paint the <laughs> You know, the comparison is going to be undeniable, but I still try to make my own, make my music of my own DNA. You know, King King Diamond also doesn't play bass like I do or doesn't play guitar like I do. And if you if you do listen to our vocal patterns, I think that there we, we have kind of different sounding techniques. But yes, that is a high compliment. And I think that with this album, Seeds of Seduction, the songwriting is a lot more consistent. You have a kind of consistent uh, slick tone across the three tracks, but within those three tracks, they still all have their very own DNA and sound a bit different from one another. And so I think it's a good it's a good flow, and I'm super stoked about it. I think people will hopefully want to listen to it and want to rock the fuck out and party, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. And uh, you know, you definitely you have you sent us a series of promotional um, uh, fo- photos and stills for yeah. this. Are you planning a music video? Yeah, actually I am. I'm in the process of editing it right now. We broke away with that music video as early as last April or April 2021. Uh, and it's uh, it's in production. I don't want to give away too much, but it's going to have some live footage from our first show back that happened uh, at the end of July in Philadelphia a few weeks ago with a lot of friends moshing their goddamn faces off. So you might see some familiar faces if you've been at that necrosexual concert. And it's got some other audiovisual tricks up my sleeve. It's going to be very psychedelic and very mind-blowing. And uh, I think that it's going to be uh, pretty cool when it's all said and done. Okay, awesome, man. So, um, and just remind us quickly when the album is coming out. And um, I believe there's a label that's doing a cassette option with some bonus tracks, right? Yeah, that is uh, 100% correct. So the album releases on September 3rd, if you want to download it digitally from my band camp. And to all you heavy metal tape freaks out there, I partnered with one of the sickest uh, extreme, excuse me, I partnered with one of the sickest extreme uh, black metal labels and, and just metal labels out there today, which is Folkvanger Records. If it's on Folkvanger, you know it's going to be a banger. Uh, you know, some of the records I really enjoyed from the past couple of years, like Dumal, The Confessor, those are Philly dudes as well, uh, as well as Lamp of Murmur and Daiichi. Uh, those are all on uh, Folkvanger Records. So I, I'm super stoked that uh, Dark Mark over there is uh, willing to take a chance on me and release something a little bit different because his record has tended to deal with kind of the more scary, mysterious, kind of brooding, atmospheric, still very good black metal. And with me, we're kind of kicking out the doors and like 
bringing out the tequila and and Marshall amplifiers and just rocking our fucking faces off. So it's a bit of a more rambunctious addition to their discography, but an already formidable discography. Well, you know, you you talk about you know kicking out the uh, the Marshall amplifiers and the tequila and everything. Well, it's like the huge arena where like Billy Joel or Kiss or somebody would play down huh. there by you. I guess that would be, uh, you know, the Flyers Arena if you, if you want to do Philadelphia proper. I saw Rammstein. Okay. Yeah, at yeah, the, okay. So uh, South Broad Street. Uh, yeah. There's also the Met on North Broad Street. I have my tickets to see Judas Priest there. Who would have thought you'd be saying uh, Judas Priest and North Broad Street in Philadelphia in the same sentence? So I'm pretty stoked about that. And then there's also like the, there's like a, it's like a satellite of Philadelphia and Camden where like Black Sabbath, Megadeth type bands play. Uh, but you have to cross the bridge and get to Camden. But it's like Philadelphia light in Camden. So there's a, those are kind of, a, I'd say, a similar scale. Of course, I saw Rush in Jones Beach Theater in 2010 with my dad. So I totally know what you're talking about when you're rocking at Jones Beach. Okay. Well, the, okay. So the whole reason I'm getting at this, the Flyers Arena, necrosexual, right. bottomless budget, pull out all the stops. Tell us about it. What's the ideal arena package for necrosexual look like? Ooh. Oh man, that's a. I feel like it's got to be with a band like War for one thing. If you're gonna go big, okay. put on a show with some theatrics, and they, I could open for them. I don't need to be the headliner. I'm more than happy to just share a bill with War. Uh, but that's one band that you know we're definitely fans of their overall show and presentation. Uh, so that seems like a no-brainer. I feel like Ghoul, because they keep it thrashy and they also keep it punky. And Raw Sewage, Dr. Raw Sewage from Ghoul has designed both iterations of the necrosexual logo. So he's a, a like-minded freak who definitely delivers the goods. And uh, man, I feel like because we got compared to them in a recent review, freaking get Judas Priest over, right? <laughs> oh, so what does the stage show look like for you? What's the stage show look like? Yeah, oh. if, if you could if you could really here's, max out Here's what budget. I'm thinking. Like in my own experiences, you know, those bands I mentioned before, they already have pretty intricate stage shows. Um, you know, with the Necrosexual, we're always trying to keep it an eye toward the theatrics. And we've we've done a lot of shows in like basements and dark dive bars. And even when we're in some, you know, dungeon-esque corner somewhere, we try to make the show theatrical. Definitely has got to have a lot of fog, right? Because like when we've done shows in the past where we've had the fog machine rocking and rolling and the fire department gets called on us. So it would be nice to play a proper venue that can accommodate the amount of fog that which we use. Uh, a lot of bright lights. I'm, I'm friends with a lot of burlesque performers, so you, you're damn right there's going to be some uh, some hot bodies rocking with minimal wear, <laughs> uh, you know, to keep things easy on the eyes uh, while we slay the prize. And a lot of flashing psychedelic lights. I think that's uh, the, all the makings for a memorable necrosexual encounter. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure any necrosexual encounter would be memorable. But right? That, yeah. yeah, that, yeah. yeah that, Some are more minimal than others, but always yeah. mem- memorable. <laughs> All right. So, the, well, the, the whole burlesque thing, that, that's, that's a different... You told us a little bit about hosting an event, there's that, that sort of thing. Like, that's, again, that's, that's not necessarily something every average metalhead gets into and is involved in. So as a, as a younger man, tell us about exploring that side of Philadelphia or wherever you were is nightlife yeah. uh, and getting yeah. involved in, in, in that sort of scene uh, as compared to the heavy metal scene. Of course, I mean, Philadelphia, uh, even 
way before I was involved in their nightlife or cabaret scene. They, they have a very cool history of burlesque. And uh, I've been lucky enough to become friends with some of the people that were around in the 90s and early 2000s for it. Uh, actually, the person who designed the Grim One album cover in the kind of Jack Kirby-esque comic book style, his name is Scott Johnston, and he's uh, very involved in the burlesque scene, not just designing art, but also in putting on producing shows, going to the Burlesque Hall of Fame in Las Vegas. I think, though, with exposing myself to different art, that's been super helpful to me because, you know, burlesque is also really, really theatrical. It's got costumes. It has audience interaction. It really thrives on people going out there who want to scream their fucking lungs out and throw money and get wild. You know, they, those burlesque shows thrive on that high energy. And, you know, same thing with like drag shows, uh, with drag artists, or even with improv comedy, you know, those are all types of performance that uh, is super uh, great on your feet. It relies on a strong participation with the audience and connecting with an audience and really especially with those uh you know burlesque and drag really holding an audience in the palm of your hands and oftentimes bringing that palm back with a lot of dollars <laughs> so i think that you know seeing uh, different art forms in that regard has made me a better performer a more uh, capable performer and uh, it's helped me with the live performance a great deal just what i bring to the table uh, being exciting coming up with like catchphrases and just ways to really become a larger than life cult of character besides just another you know another metal band with with long sleeve t-shirts and their arms crossed <laughs> all right all right well and on that note you mentioned that you were able to play uh, a show a, a few months ago and there's some footage of that um uh, in the upcoming video what is the situation like now do you have anything uh, tentatively planned uh, for live performances in the future yeah, for now, fingers crossed, we have a uh, to-be-announced show uh, with, well, I'll just announce it because this podcast fucking rules, and if you're listening, we hope you can make it in Philadelphia uh, on Friday, November 12th with Book of Worms. They're a high-flying, psychedelic space rock band from Richmond, Virginia. So you heard it here first in this podcast. Uh, we don't have a flyer yet, but that is in the books, assuming everything goes well with the state of the world. Philadelphia has a uh, vaccination mandate for all indoor concerts or pretty much the majority of uh, venues are all doing that. So you have a vaccination card, get the shot, ready to rock. And hopefully November 12th, we'll see you. And, you know, aside from that, uh, we have a few other plans up our sleeve with the music video and maybe a necrosexual comic book coming out this fall. Uh, so those will also be some big things in the future. And aside from that, I'm just kind of biding our time and taking those shows off as they come. I'm waiting for the action figure. Right, yeah. <laughs> but 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 in the meantime, the comic book will, will suffice. Uh, that, that sounds yeah. cool too, man. And we wish you the best of luck uh, getting back into live performances. It's a, a scary, confusing time right now. We wish everybody the best going forward. And um, uh, that being said... Uh, you know, I want you know. We usually conclude interviews by asking you to recommend an older and a newer album, but I want to yeah. uh, I want to get into to some part. Like I said before, you're into some different parts of nightlife and subculture that um, are not are a little bit beyond your average underground metal experience. Say say somebody's in Philadelphia. Uh, say things have opened up a little bit. This this burlesque thing. Are there like clubs you might want to shout out? 
Or is it a more Absolutely. you have to know? Yeah, I would say come visit the Necrosexual in my spiritual office at Frankie Bradley's. That's uh, pretty much the premier burlesque and cabaret spot in the city uh, filled with like-minded freaks. It's got uh, something for everyone, everything from rock and roll concerts to burlesque shows to drag shows. And it's got one hell of a food and drink menu, so you're going to have a good time. <laughs> okay. And um, you also have your uh, Necrosexual YouTube channel which, like we said, has a variety of interviews going back several years. Um, some unexpected guests, I think, people might might find on there from the, uh, the not only the underground death metal and black metal scene, but beyond, right? Yes. And um, uh, we'll give you the opportunity again to plug the new EP, Seeds of Seduction. But before we do that, let's take it into the recommendations. I want a recommendation yeah. of an older and a newer album by any artist, any genre from the Necrosexual. Ooh, that's a good one. You know, I now I feel unprepared because it's such a loaded question and there is so much uh, sick music out there, old and new. Um, I'm going to say for an old album that I've really dug, that I've gotten into relatively later in life, um, Nasty Savage, self-titled baby, because came out in 1986, has a lot of falsettos, I never really listened to them that much growing up, um, but I've been compared to them. And now that I've like listened to them more, I'm like, yeah, like that's a cool band to be compared to because they have just sort of like, it's like a thrash metal band if their front man was a pro wrestler. <laughs> that's the best way I can describe it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's a great thrashing album. And it's also kind of makes you feel like you're on a crusade through the Conan the Barbarian type wilderness, but then it also feels like you're partying the whole time. So that's a super <laughs> fun album nasty savage and in terms of a new record hmm uh man i gotta be honest dude i've been playing a lot of uh fourth dimensional flesh by afterbirth <laughs> thanks awesome man yeah it's, uh, that, that cassette's been getting again pretty well worn so uh, i've been enjoying that and i guess also uh you know again with uh folk vanger records they really put out some quality releases that i personally enjoyed even before our conspiracy see on the Seeds of Seduction collaboration. Really enjoyed uh, Dumal, The Confessor. I went to high school with uh, with Andrew, their guitarist from way back in the day, so we're, we're old friends, as well as uh, the mysterious Lamp of Murmur. Okay, well, I'm, I'm gonna try to get to the bottom of that mystery then, uh, if that, those yeah. are your recommendations. Thank you for the shameless afterbirth plug. Uh, you didn't, we didn't make him do that to appear on the Heavy Hole podcast, by the way. Um, <laughs> But all right, that nasty savage—that's something that came up uh, when we interviewed the Florida guys, like obituary atheist, yeah. all, all those old we, Florida guys. Yeah, we had a string of people talking about nasty savage. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Was, last summer and, and last year, when we had like the like the obituary, we had the Terry Butler and we had the Kelly Schaefer from Atheist. Yeah, that, that's a big old school Florida thing, nasty savage man. We got to reach out, um, try to talk to some of those guys at least, man. But. Yeah, uh, nasty Necros- Ronnie turned into heavy hair podcast. Those motherfuckers don't mess around with their hair game. <laughs> At least they didn't back in the day. <laughs> nasty Ronnie, yeah, Nasty Savage was involved with Luna Vachon, if I got it right. I think Luna Vachon did it did something with them on a song, or, you know, the pro wrestler. That's right, yeah, she did get she did focus yeah. on the song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh wow, may yeah. she rest in peace. Yeah, R.I.P. <laughs> Luna. But um, Necrosexual, thank you for your time. We appreciate, it. and as you mentioned, Folk Vanger uh, Records is going to be. Um, uh, uh, putting out that uh, Seeds of Seduction EP. When is it coming out again? September 3rd. So the time for release is nigh. 
pile on the beef with necrosexual seeds of seduction. <laughs> <laughs> All right, necrosexual. Any parting words uh, for fans of your work and listeners of our show? Yeah, I just want to say to all you crazy heavy metal headbangers out there, keep it brutal, stay freaky, stay true, and don't fall victim to any of that wimpy poser shit. Rock and roll, baby. Necrosexual, man. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you to the necrosexual, the most electrifying man in Corpse Entertainment for coming on to talk about the necrosexual's new album, actually, to talk about the necrosexual's new EP, Seeds of Seduction, on Folkfanger Records. So uh, laying it on thick with yeah. that shot in yeah. the, you know, the album covers. So. Sultry. A lot of seduction. Yeah. I'm, the gl- man- I'm, I'm glad it's not scratch and sniff. Uh, started making desserts and has stayed dessert uh, his entire professional career. Mm. Well, well said. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, uh, speaking of dessert, uh, we thank the Necrosexual for providing that, um, uh, uh, not just the appetizer, but but the, the main course there. Guys, I think it's time to drop a little dessert on the listeners. Do we have uh, a, uh, a voicemail or two? Hey, what's up, guys? It's Cody. Got a few questions for you that I thought uh, might conjure some conversation. So... Has there been any bands or albums or specific music suggested to you that has kind of made an impact on your life since you've been doing the show? So is that something that's made it into like your daily listen or really a band that's kind of, you know, helped you transcend into other genres that you didn't think you liked? And then second, has there ever been a good heavy metal music video, like a good one, when you would refer to others? Thanks, guys. Later. Thank you, sir. For Good voicemail. voicemail. First of all, first loaded. Of first. Nice voicemail. Ten out of ten. Big shout. I, however, do not know if I like the implication that there is a lack of quality heavy metal music videos in the world. I'm fine with that implication. Uh, well, I would making. always have to go back to the classics. Um, look for the Grim Reaper music videos from the '80s, and you can, of course, go back to our interview with Steve Grimmett of Grim Reaper where he talks about the behind-the-scenes and the production of those music videos. They're great. Those are great heavy metal music videos. Now, are we opening this up to, like, other... Is it just heavy metal, or are we opening it up? Well, I, yeah, metal. Yeah, what? like, what else? There's a lot of... That's like a, a lot of great metal videos. Suffocation did that one where the guy's in the basement. That was fun. Yeah. Uh, every Pantera video is a great <laughs> fucking metal video. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I agree. All right. I That's, mean, yeah, makes you feel like uh, you're testament. Uh, practice what you preach. Yeah, uh, dude, I don't even damn. like that morbid. I'm not a big fan of morbid angel domination, but that one video where the slime lives. Okay, it's, it's fun. Metal videos, metal videos have always been fun for me. All right, here we go. Iron Maiden. Can I play with madness? Mm. Sepultura <laughs> territory. Yeah, dude. Sepultura territory. That is an amazing video. I've That's actually a, not seen that one. 
Oh, man. Well, the Sepultura um, Third World Chaos VHS was instrumental in my development as a young metalhead. They're, they're, yeah, they have a lot of great... The Dead on Embryonic Cells mm-hmm. video is good, but by territory, they must have had a really nice budget for the videos. And that, yeah, man, they had... And what was the other the other really good video? Was it... Um, was it a rise? There was a, another. There was another really good video. I mean, this is gonna kill me. I'm gonna go back home and listen to Chaos AD now. But um, I think the Roots Bloody Roots one. I don't go that far with my Sepultura listening, oh, yeah. sir. You should. I will check out that video for the sake of this conversation. Um, it's a fun video. I, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I just feel like there's a lot of great heavy metal music videos yeah. in this day and age. You can go on YouTube and see a lot of stuff you wouldn't have seen on your. You know, your much music or your MTV or wherever you're from. There's a band from Australia called King Parrot. It makes a lot of great music videos. They do great music videos. But I think the sentiment that I share with Cody, potentially, maybe I'm putting words into his mouth. Most of these videos are not very good. Most of these songs are not very good. That's true. (laughs) You guys are both hurting me. (laughs) You guys are hurting me. Um, okay. Do any video where they throw up the fucking horns, man? I'm in. I like a good video, don't get me wrong. But at the same time, like I don't expect much. Look, you got tight budgets. You got people who oh, are hiring oh, their friends on. to direct. Oh, it's oh. a laundry list of things. It's an uphill battle. I'm not expecting a lot. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to accept your opinion. I'm going to state one thing. Sure. I would rather watch a playlist full of Behemoth music videos. Okay. Than uh, Lord of the Rings. More, okay. the, the more, the cinematography, the epic shots, uh, 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 the 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 darkness implicated. Uh, Behemoth, Behemoth are like the um, maverick masters of cinema, of death metal music. And I'm not a big, I'm not a Behemoth fan of the. I don't really own Behemoth albums and listen to them. I don't come around and see them live. No disrespect, they're doing great without me. No, that's fine. But. I'm just, it's just not my, you know, it's not my cup of tea, man. I, I, I'm not putting anyone down. I'm with you. I'll, I'll, I'll hop on the stream with you. I'd rather watch iPhone footage of a tour edited together in good taste to a good song than The Hobbit. Well, listen, now we're kind of trashing the, the yeah. movies based on the token stories. Uh, what I'm really trying to get at is, <laughs> is Behemoth. Yeah. Have you guys seen Behemoth's yeah, music they are, videos? They are yeah. theatrical. They are I'm sorry. Theatrical. I own like, more Behemoth albums than you. <laughs> yeah, well, I, it's not a, unless they have like the digital file where you can watch the music video. It's of not, course. Conqueror All, great video. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, whatever the Son of, of Man yeah, one. Of, yeah, of, yeah. Something the, of, the one about Satan. Yeah. Like Behemoth videos are kind of like, you know, you know that movie, The Passion of the Christ? Right. I'm no, we're not doing judgment calls on Mel Gibson. It's just, objectively, that movie has some really creepy scenes, and Behemoth music videos capture some of that ambiance. I'm not kidding, I'm not exaggerating. I don't think you're kidding. No, uh, what I was trying to say with the the iPhone thing is that budget doesn't have to be an issue, uh, especially nowadays. It's all about taste, you know what I mean? And some like some people just don't have it, and that's why the videos are bad. But I, I would say if there you, are good videos, people yeah. that have done very low budget. I like uh, that capture the energy of the music, uh, that fortify the intent of the song, and then uh, wrap it up in a nice fucking package. I don't know. I think it's kind of nice. Well, I mean, I'm not. I, that's not the point I'm contending at all. I'm saying, like, if you're looking at what's the output been, things that are crafted well versus things that are just like guys playing in the warehouse kind of thing. And, oh, sure. And it's shot what, like 
poorly and it's edited like shit. There's a lot of that going on. And and I don't hate I'm not mad about it. Just like it's objectively not good. Like this is not a great thing and like I think people should keep doing that though. Because yeah. it's part of promotion. You have to do that. Yeah. I'm not, I, like, I'm not mad when I see a bad music video. I'm just like, it's just not great. Yeah. My uh, warehouses. I say go um, back and watch Vader's, I forget the song, but it was a music video for their tie-in with the Witcher video game series. Okay. okay. Go back and watch that. Magic. I, I can list hundreds of good music videos that are in the heavy metal thing, in the realm thing. I could list lots more that are not what I would call good. Um, doesn't mean I don't like the song. Doesn't mean I won't even put on the video. Sometimes I like if I like the band and I, I want to support them in some way. I'm listening to the song. Whatever, I'll play it. It's yeah. fine. There are so many moving parts to a music video. It's hard to pull off a good one, and sometimes people overthink them. That's that seems to be the problem, especially with heavy metal men. They seem to overthink this and seem that they're getting a point across. But like, I think guys who perfected it were like the dudes from from Red Fang. They took like a no budget and made sick videos. Yeah. And they got known more for their videos than they did their music. Iron Reagan did it. Every time I die. Yeah, every time I'm I die. I say that. I'm saying that, Ben. Uh, Napalm Records. There, there's there, <laughs> the finest. Yeah. I'm not shafting the idea of people making videos. I'm just saying objectively, you're, most of them are not good. Okay. I feel like we're spending a lot of time on Tom's passionate hatred of musicians it's who hatred. seek. <laughs> To add a visual aspect to their art. Yeah. 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 This is I a hate you all. deep seated MTV hate. <laughs> yeah. I, the idea Tom, of it. Tom doesn't like it. Sorry. Guys, make a video that's grown up gaudy, and then we're talking. Huh. Okay. What was the second question? Oh, uh, album, albums that were significant. Um, Tom, Tom's still thinking about how much he hates music videos. I, hate, I actually hate music. Yeah. That's the problem. Tom's. Tom's <laughs> Tom's yeah. like Tom hangs out in abandoned warehouses waiting for metal bands to shoot videos. So I can evict them. Yeah. <laughs> with a clipboard. No, 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 no. Not filming here. That's why I work for the town. Um, so has there been any bands or albums or specific things suggested on the podcast that made an impact on your life since you've been doing the show? That's a tough one. I, you know, I got to say, like, the show, just doing the show has impacted the music that I... The merch that I buy, I guess you might say, man, like I do have an eye and I try to collect records by former guests of the show a lot of the time. Um, and sometimes if I know we're going to be talking about certain artists, uh, like like I've been really on this uh, old school Wisconsin, Indiana, Illinois death metal thing uh, uh, that I've talked about and that there's going to be a bonus episode should be out by now. Um, about that, and then after we talked to Nick from Vomit Forth, I got really back into the whole Northeastern death metal concept that we talked with him and got into some of those bands, so it's more like, for me, it comes in waves, and the type of thing, maybe it'll be something one of you guys brings in, maybe it's something one of the listeners suggests, but um, I, I, things kind of come and go in waves for me, man, and um, I know, like, Justin, actually, you inspired me a lot with, with the... A few months ago, you were on this roll where you were bringing in all that old school death thrash, yeah. obscure albums from like the early '90s from Switzerland and stuff. That's because like I, I never, I didn't start listening to the band Death until we did this podcast. Mm-hmm. That was like one of those old, like old school pillars that just, pat, like I kind of just passed by and went into you know more extremes and all stuff. Absolutely does. So once I found that, 
then do- like dove deep into uh, into that early '90s death thrash. You know what occurred to me, man? I was I was doing yard work to, as usual. I was just doing yard work and thinking about death metal, and uh, a thought occurred to me. Like, you know, you have those conversations when we used to have shows and we used to be able to talk to one another and, and all that sort of thing, man, back in the social world. Uh, we, we uh, you have those conversations with other metalheads. And I notice this, especially sometimes with younger people who are getting into it and they're all excited. And it's like, you know, you might be talking, they're like, oh, you never heard of that? You never heard of that? Oh, it's never, so you, degrading. Oh, you know, wait, wait you, you, oh, man, you don't know that album? Oh, oh you don't know that? Oh, hold on. Let me hold on. Let me take my phone out. Oh my god, the kids I want to play you something <laughs> on the cell phone. You know, you hear that? But listen, here's my thing. These younger people don't realize that there were metalheads who grew up without YouTube and without Spotify and without Bandcamp. So it's like, yes, like you could go an entire you know, twenty years of being a metalhead from your teens and twenties without knowing much about death or deicide or pestilence there's just like you know maybe you got into it through this hemisphere of metal like like that would happen like even nowadays with youtube you're not going to know everything but i'm just making the point like when i was getting into this shit like you know what happens with me with it's always finished death metal and that rotting ways to misery book even the playing field for me because i was in biolich all right i yes a friend of mine acquired the demolich cd when we were teenagers in the 90s I, we did the Biolich band. Some people in the underground knew me, like, from that association. So it's like, well, I can mention any Finnish death metal band, and if Will doesn't know it, I'm going to identify him as a total poser. It kind of became this game of people being like, oh, Will, do you know this pertinence rehearsal demo that was never even released? Like, oh, you, oh, you never heard that? You don't know that? <laughs> You you don't you don't know that yeah you never give, heard of that's crypt- annoying give me yeah. your giving me your heavy metal card right now I'm revoking yeah. your heavy metal card give it to me yeah wait you don't know about the crypt of Carabos <laughs> rehearsal tape what oh my god man so there yeah I don't even know how we got onto this subject well <laughs> I think uh, we're we're just talking about like uh, oh Justin not yeah, knowing that inspired yeah exactly yeah you don't know this man look at me I'm the host <laughs> of the podcast yeah now. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah man, I, just this like. I don't know, man. I, I've probably done it too because it's like you're you're so excited about a band and you think somebody else is gonna like it. But but watch how you say that. Don't don't be like, oh, I oh, definitely you don't know done that it when I was younger. I yeah. totally have done that. Yeah, I've but, done yeah. so much. A lot too, Tom. Too. I've done oh, that a lot. God. Yeah. Like I don't want you to be at like a part of the list now. I want to listen. I want to listen to it at you. Yeah, I want to show you that I know the songs. Yeah, I want to show like, it at you. This is the first time you heard this. I actually want to squeeze it. I just want to hear it oh, myself. Parts. Yeah. I want you to acknowledge that I'm very accurate finger guitaring. And when there's a drum fill, I'm stopping the guitar <laughs> and I'm doing the drum fill. Exactly. It's a really fun yeah. and sneaky way if, like, you know, you're kind of friendly with somebody and uh, they're playing music off their phone and you go, What do you mean you never heard of this? Now, now you become in control oh. of the music. <laughs> Dude, I'm not gonna say the band, but there was a young. It was a younger <laughs> band, guys in their early 20s. Artificial Brain did some shows with these guys. Nice guys. That's why I'm not saying the name. So the, sorry. Oh, the god, the bass player, bro. I mean, it was to the point where I was like, "What is this kid on Adderall?" And it triggers having to play me bands on his phone. And like, I would avoid the kid after a while because every time, and it would be like, it would be like, "Oh, you like Impetigo?" There's my my friend's cousin is in a band that kind of does grindcore, man. Here, check it out. 
and I'm like, oh, that sounds pretty sick, man. Oh, yeah, they got... Well, they, this is their new album. It sounds better. <laughs> oh, God. And it was just go on and on and on all the time, man. It's, uh, you know, it's... The road to your hell is paved with someone else's good intentions. <laughs> they, they really are. The, the road to your hell is paved with somebody else's lack of earbuds for their cell phone. What is the deal? We're living in the era of, of uh, what Let's is it? Put AirPods. Buds in my shit. What uh, are those shits uh, called? AirPods? AirPods. Buddies. We, we had, those are like the big thing that, ha- that you have to have or you're not cool yeah, and fashionable yeah, now, right? Yeah. But for some reason, my coworkers, my co, my fucking co-work, my... My F word, coworkers. Coworkers. <laughs> Every time I turn around, it's in the fucking break room. Like, what's the? Just put your ear. Oh, I'm sorry for cutting you off. No, it's fine. It's the AirBuds. Uh, the shorter Air Buddies. Oh, That's why yeah. they want to oh. share them with your friends. Yeah, my cousin Mike just showed me some little Wayne song where he talks about uh, shark pussy. He says I'm in water getting shark pussy or something. I was oh, just like, yeah. little Wayne. That's more fun than I thought. That's mm. a, that's a great line. Yeah. Dolphins. And I'm paraphrasing. From what I'm, I've heard, are more realistic in that. Like that would be a more real, <laughs> realistic aspiration. They're not into consent. They're actually vicious animals. Interesting. I wouldn't yeah. know, Tom. Where have you been? Yeah. All right. Check on the my new EP is actually called. <laughs> like another band. It's Come one up you are. <laughs> what were you saying, Justin? Snorkeling is even better now. Oh. <laughs> um. Uh. All right. Yeah, so let's get back to the topic here. Yeah. Uh, Changing lives. Life changing inspiration. Uh, I got really into the Razorback bands because I found Frightmare. Yeah. I never got into any of those bands. I found Midnight Murder Mania. And for lack of a better term, it changed my life because I listened to so much of that stuff. Now I've even recorded some stuff that I'm going to be putting out. On our heavy hole band camp that sounds like that. Okay. Uh, heavy insp- heavily inspired by. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, so, yeah, that's that's the, the first one yeah. that I. I mean, it, I think, Will, you said it best. It goes in waves, you know. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you'll we'll be doing research for the show and it's like you find a recommendation or something to bring in and yeah. that lasts for like a week. And then other times you bring something in that lasts for like two months. Yep. And, yeah. uh, yeah, uh, the, uh, band Garbage. Still listen oh, to that. That yeah. was wow. one of the coolest things. Interesting. That was old, old school. Yeah, one. yeah. That, yeah, that was a good one, man. They, yeah. You brought in one of their cassettes, and uh, forget the name of it, but what? But yeah, they're all Green Solution. I think. Green Solution. Yeah, that's that, song, and there was yeah. another one called Waste Something. Yeah, yeah. But Garbage. That band kicks ass. What a good band. Raw and then ass. it's like Will said too, like finished death metal. Like this podcast has been a lot about. It. Diving into the, the finished death metal stuff. Oh, you didn't know Convulse had a second EP when they got back together, and it sounds different than the other one. You didn't know. Okay, I'm sorry. A, Do we have another voicemail? I have a bad. I have a bad time. What's the? I have a hard time. I have a hard time uh, remembering names. Uh, Me too. Which is terrible for being on a podcast. I don't remember your name. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who either of you guys are. Yeah, uh, I've been caught with my thumb up my own ass many times. Interesting. Not, I only knew. Not know, ah, what's that album name? Ah, it's got, I know. I can that's usually I, remember years, though. That's yeah. why I write it down. So I only know five names Corona, Miller, Light, Budweiser. Bud. Yeah. It's just that's, I don't know if that can because I know Buddy. So that's like, maybe that's the last two words. Bud yeah. and Buddy. Do, that's do we have words. another voicemail, Buddy? We do, Buddy. Okay. Yeah, you don't. 
This is Vinny Patricelli. Before I get any further, I just want to tell you my full name is Vincent Anthony Michael Patricelli. Okay? It's not Vincent Michael Anthony Patricelli, because that's my stupid fucking cousin. My Aunt Marie always got to stick it to my ma. They got this rivalry from when they were kids. My ma had this boyfriend. They loved each other. My Aunt Marie comes along, takes the boyfriend. One night, I heard it was a horrible night at Spumoni Gardens. She thinks she's funny naming a dopey kid after me. Same thing. Guy turns out to be a ski vox. Plus, he looks like Rocky Dennis for the mask. Remember that shit? Holy shit, this kid is fucking ugly. And I gotta get confused with this motherfucker. But I digress. Vinny Patricelli. How you doing? Love the show. I was listening to the show the other day. It was a beautiful weekend. I had a cigar. I was out by the water. I don't want to say where. It may or may not have been Staten Island, somewhere by the water out there with my buddies. Actually, fuck my buddies. I was by myself, okay? I could be a man. I admit it. I was by myself. I was smoking a cigar. I was looking at the water. I was listening to your podcast, and I hear this guy, Tony Baldoni, calls in. Tony Balboni, Steve Balboni, whoever the fuck this guy is, he makes a lot of sense. He's talking about tube amps. Remember this discussion we had? Talking about tube amps. You gotta be a real Swachim to be in a band and not use a tube amp. That's what this guy was saying. He's a smart guy, I gotta tell you. I gotta agree with this guy, Tony Balboni. Sounds like he's an educated man. A man I like to do business with, perhaps. There's something I'm gonna need to look into. But don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong, aside from this, tube amps, Solid State amps, they got their place, they, Solid State has their place, in the fucking garbage. And believe you me, I know a lot of people in waste management, they make that shit disappear, in the garbage, in the dumpster. Unless you're in tune, you're playing out of a PV Studio Pro 40, with a made in Japan HM2 pedal with the knobs dined out. I don't want to hear about it. Phenomenal. Hey, listen. Put me in touch with this Tony Baldoni, all right? Vinny Patricelli. Fuck my cousin. <laughs> oh, man. Damn. <laughs> Vinny, Vinny Patricelli on the check-in. Holla. Man, shout to Vinny Patricelli. Wow. I, I, I agree with you about the two-bamp thing, sir. That we, we got a lot of very... Sophisticated listeners out there. Shout out to Tony Baldone. If uh, if you guys want to um, check in with us on the email, heavyholepodcastgmail.com, we'll, we'll put you in business with one another. We don't want to be the middleman. Allegedly. Yeah, yeah. We'll, <laughs> allegedly. We'll put, allegedly. We could yeah. just point you in the direction of like a nice fine mandolin or something. Like yeah, we'll give you guys a nice diner you can meet up at, all right? Tube mandolin. <laughs> tube mandolin. Yeah, I got a nice diner in Merrick you can meet up at. Listen. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I already right. told you that they had prosciutto on one side and they didn't have it on the other side. Is this is and this is what maybe we could maybe you could help. I gave my phone number out on a previous episode. I think we get weird texts now asking, oh, yeah. <laughs> asking me about you know all this stuff, assuming a lot of things. And I'm just letting it happen. Yeah, well, you, you listen did back to that episode. That. Yeah, yeah, you get back at, you get back to me and talk about that pursuit problem. Yeah. Probably shouldn't have put your cell phone up there. Yeah, we're doing it. We're not going to say which episode. <laughs> no, we're doing it. But Vinny Patricelli <laughs> might give you a call. But shout out to Vinny on the check-in. Wow, that was interesting. And, we, yeah, we did have that two-bamp discussion 
Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, there's not much to add to that, man. These guys covered it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm a little nervous right now because last week I recorded an episode of Roast Mortem about John Gotti. Oh, um, oh, oh. So I'm a little scared right now. I, I hope Vinny didn't hear that one. Well, let's put it this way. The conclusion of the episode is he was a nice man who had done nothing wrong. Yeah. Okay, okay yeah. good. <laughs> Good. I wasn't on that one, Vin. I wasn't on that was, one, Tony. There was no terrible jokes. I'm yeah. not like I have no alliances to any spaghetti restaurant. Like I'll eat wherever you want me to. Yeah. <laughs> like, as long as well, it's good. Well, listen. I, I think we got one more voicemail to play, right? No, no, that's it for now. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm I gonna leave up uh, Cody and Tyler. Chris. Okay. I don't use tube amps anymore. Okay. Well, I think we're doing. We're gonna do a little bit of a. Um, we did the voicemails. Big shout to our guest, the one and only most electrifying man in Corpse Entertainment, the Necrosexual. Uh, and since it's Labor Day weekend, I think we're going to hit you with a couple of recommendos for old time's sake. The listeners want that old thing back. I got some Denmark. I got a mar- I got a point to make, and another word for a point is a mark, and this band is from Denmark. Nice. Interesting. It's Good Collapse point. with a K. Okay. Collapse. When things are spelled with a K instead of a C... I emphasize whatever the letter is next to it. Mm, right. That's Collapse. Uh, this is their new record called Salt, uh, which is, a, I think it's a great name. It is a good name. Uh, period. Good album cover. Yeah, the al- this is one of those classic cases of an album cover drawing me in to the music, uh, making me want to like the band more because I like the album cover so much. So if you get a chance... Uh, while I'm talking about Collapses, New Record Salt, check out their album cover. Uh, what we have here is a haunting churn of post music. A lot of and when I say post, it's post. It's post metal. It's post hardcore. It's post music. It's post tones. Probably a lot of tube amps on this one. Uh, post tones. Vinny and Tone um, would like that. Yeah. Uh, tremendously, tremendously chunky. Uh, bass kind of stringing me along throughout this whole thing, throughout the Merc. The bass is the flat bottom wind boat driving you through the marsh, through the mud of this kind of deal. Um, it's uh, I don't even know what this word is here, but yeah, a lot of a lot of great riffs in here, good head nodding kind of stuff. I mean, uh, this is everything from Imperial Triumphant to Norma Jean, like. Uh, noise to fucking uh, bluesy rock and roll, uh, dusty, dirty kind of stuff. Uh, a little bit of a hardcore flair, a little bit of ambiance. Um, it sounds like salt, man. It's like uneasy. Yeah, they definitely leave a nice space between the bass and guitar for atmosphere. Yeah, the guitar plays a little higher on the register. The bass is grindy sounding. Well balanced, so there's this like midsection where the air flows a bit. You can hear the drums kind of coming through. Uh, it's good. It's brooding. It's brooding throughout. Yeah, there's nothing too uh, technical, too flashy about this. But I like that about it. It's like just uh, it's a, it's a mood. You know, these are long songs, some of them, and they have been flow. I feel like the uh, the mix could have ruined. Uh, the, I feel like a lot of music similar to this. The mix makes it too washy, and yeah. this you can hear everything really nice, yes. and it, it 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 gives it a lot of more substance for that reason. 
you can hear the dryness of the distortion. Yes. There's a, there's a yeah. delay there, but it's not too wet. It's, it's nice. Like a part that we'll listen to now, like what I like about it is the, the lines I could draw to that early Pink Floyd, where there's this, uh, that, that Roger Waters, like in his, in his capacity, holding that bass down while there is this kind of atmosphere being built up around it. Uh, and then, you know, the thing with, with Collapse is it gets, it dives deep into like this darkness and comes up and then down again. And you know how it is. Up and down like popcorn in a bag. This is my recommendation. Collapse, salt. And I thought you ought to know. Guys, it's like rock and roll, but for real men. Ha! Ah. <laughs> Soylent Green's Confrontation. Uh, I'm sure most of you know Soylent Green. Mm. They're not under no rocks. They're on Metal Blade Records. Mm. Um, this album coming out in 2005, I believe this was on Metal Blade. No, this one, this one was on Relapse, excuse me. This album's got this real slow, churning chunk at every angle you look at it now there's a blast beat happening here but for some reason it still has this southern charming slow um kind of grind to it the guitars just sound like uh like molasses on a hot summer day it's yes so cool. just have that warm fuzz to them the perfect amount of fuzz on the guitars for this style band it really Soylent Green has always kind of stuck out to me for that. The songwriting, if you're not familiar, if the songwriting is very technical, but there's not a lot of, like, showy technical aspect. There is no Phil to God doing six solos on this. It's more of an odd measure here or there. Kind of hard to wrap your head around, but also you're not far away from a excellent groove. Uh, something that feels like Pantera informed, but not at all like Pantera. Uh, so I, I, I bring this one in as a recommendation. 2005's Soylent Green record, Confrontation. Mm. Interesting that Ben would go on to be in Goat Horse, such a different style of band. But uh, a masterful vocalist. Like the Pantera-ness of it is the same Pantera-ness of it as like Superjoint, I feel like. Like yeah, this I'm trying to see if there's any crossover there. Well, I mean they're they're from the same area. Yeah, you can definitely hear something in Ben's vocals that's similar to it's the southern. Phil, sure. But um, he's got his very own thing. Uh, it doesn't. He's not copying him. It's more of like a, a cadence at points. I think it's uh, yeah, it's, it's maybe more of a regional style. Yeah. Yeah. Go, Go Door starts in 1997, and this band starts in 1993. No, 1988. This band is as old as me. My goodness. But they've been doing it.
Okay, so you guys know that I've lately been obsessed with uh, old school, early 90s to mid 90s, Wisconsin, uh, Indiana, Illinois, uh, that region of the country's uh, old doom death metal scene. Uh, a lot of death metal that for me is just slower paced death metal with with more atmosphere. But in this day and age, I think you would refer to more as doom death to set it apart from like technical and brutal death metal. Um, but that was very much a regional style in what we called the Great Lakes states and that region um, back in the early 90s. We talked about it a little bit with uh, Dave Greger from Mortis Scold, and I do have a bonus episode on Patreon about it uh, that should be out by the time this episode's up. And Dusk from Green Bay, Wisconsin is a band that was active uh, in the early 90s from 93 till about 2005 or so. Um, mainly uh, remembered for their Majestic Thou in Rune Full Length album, which was re-released on um, Dark Symphonies, I believe. Uh, hold on a second. Now I got to fact check that, guys. I'm all fucked up over here. It's all good. It's all good. No, it was cursed. Pro- it, it was... Hold on a second. I, now I have a fat thumb. It's fucking up my metallum <laughs> on my smartphone. God damn it. And it was all for nothing because I was right. <laughs> yeah, Dark <laughs> Dark Symphonies in 2015. So you might still be able to get it. Released the um, re-release of Dusk's uh, Majestic Thou in Rune album with some bonus tracks also. Uh, so you might want to check that out. But something uh, that I didn't talk about in detail as much on that bonus episode was the fact that Dusk is apparently currently active, or at least up until 2018 was active so this i'm cheating a little bit because we we used to do the old and the new recommendations but now you're lucky just to get what you get so uh no in all reality i ordered this recently from dark descent records um who who had copies of it for a very reasonable price this is a three song ep but you're getting a lot of music because it's three kind of extended doom death metal songs they're not short songs uh usually and it's uh Production-wise, composition-wise, you, you could really picture it's 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 very similar to what the band is known for. It's not a departure. Uh, it's classic early uh, '90s style, even though it's modern now. Uh, doom death metal that uh, I think is is just as um, uh, viable as uh, some bands people might know, like maybe the Viogression's Passage, Afterlife, Surreality, some of the. Uh, classic um, slower atmospheric death metal records of that era that I enjoy. Uh, This is right up there, man. Um, Also, maybe if you know uh, like bands like Blood of Christ or some of that northeastern death metal we talked about with Nick from Vomit Forth, this is right there. It has a very atmospheric, evil, dark quality, still extremely brutal, extremely death metal. And again, that word doom, we we had a whole episode with Rick Habib about doom metal and there's all these different things that fall under the umbrella of the term doom metal when you say doom death in the context of this ep by dusk and the band dusk from wisconsin it really in my my mind as a listener and as a fan it means slower paced for the most part crunchy brutal atmospheric death metal um with with uh just a, a lot of like melancholy dark uh, vibes to it, you know, so this is just a masterful recording, and for a three-song EP, you really feel like you get a full product and a full artistic work, man, so I'm just going to shut up now, because I just have a lot of high praise for this, and I could ramble. This is awesome. I feel like this music is crawling out of a well, like, <laughs> at me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
This perfect shit, amount. It's got legs. Yeah. At least six of them. Uh, yeah, it's creepy. It, and it, I feel like it's very fitting for the artwork. Um, which could also be like maybe like some sort of acoustic folk album from a guy who in a, in a, on a farm in Wisconsin. Or oh, something. definitely. Yeah. Like it's it's just a very beautiful snow covered uh, landscape. Um, but again, with that doom death style, there's that nice minimalism, that that beauty of nature contrasted with the ugly, brutal sounds. There, there's something about this style that is really special for me, man. This band really did it with this. I think the snow thing. Is always scary because you never know yeah. what's underneath it. They remind they don't just have snow in Europe. Yeah, yeah, we have it here too for yeah. a, a lot of the year, depending That's where right. you are. Could be parking tickets underneath. Yeah, you never know, man. Could could be bodies underneath. Dude, I actually bought this thinking it was the re-release. And I opened it up and I was like, 2018. I was ready. To, I was like, I wasn't gonna break it, but I was pissed because I was like, I thought I thought it was old, and I was like, no, it's new. They're gonna suck. It's, you know, they 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 probably got back together, and it's like one original guy and three old, you know, three new guys. No, it's like it's all OG guys, and it's this. It's sick. Okay, we want to give a very special thanks to our guest, The Necrosexual, and wish him the best with his band on their new EP, The Seeds of Seduction. Uh, yeah, thank you for him and his that. We also want to thank Vinny Patricelli, check on the check-in. Appreciate him and his opinions yeah. about tube amps. And mm-hmm. I don't know his friends or his cousin, but I guess he's not cool with them. We're glad he's cool with us. And Tom Baldone. So glad. Yeah, yeah, I'm very, very glad about that one. Uh, Cody, Cody Hager again on the check-in, man. Thought-provoking questions. Yeah, you got me on a tear for a minute. Uh, Tom with the music videos. Listen, just watch a couple Bare Naked Ladies music videos. Oh, yeah, it's bad. Dude. Yeah, the the (laughs) one-week music video. I I did that that one week ago. That'll change your week, all right? Yeah, yeah. It was Uh, a good change. There's a certain video with a bedpost. It, that's pretty nice. Every, ah. every morning, I think it happens. <laughs> Until you have morning, yeah. Ah, no, no, listen, Lou, we're not going to go there. Shut but listen, if you want to shut the door. the door and enjoy extra content from Heavy Hole Podcast, you can always check out our Patreon. Support us on Patreon. We're going to give you a couple of bonus episodes. Like I was talking shit before, I got a little uh, uh, Milwaukee and Indiana and Illinois death metal fixation I'm talking about on there. Um, also, Justin, do we even have merch? I took the website down. Did you? <laughs> yeah, now it deserves to be there. Now uh, I changed it over, so now if you want to go check it out, it's at uh, heavyholepodcast.com. Oh, uh, so you have? You, oh, it's, you oh t- it's back up now. Okay, so you mean you took podcast. our Pornhub account off? You, you, <laughs> fi- you finally took the Pornhub account down. I thank, started. Thank o- I started OnlyFans. Yeah, thank you uh, for you, our OnlyFans out there. <laughs> uh, we, yeah, we heavy, only have fans. Heavyholepodcast.com. We only. Yeah, Justin has an OnlyFans, but he just reveals his like different jigs and buckeyes and 
It's like oh, it's only fish. You know, they, I show my largest bucktails on my own. No face. joke. They went public, or they're trying to go public, and they're trying to change the whole platform, trying to get rid of all the nipples and cocks and vaginas. Don't little late, little late. Yeah, no, I know they, like, they really blew it on that one. They're like, no, no, it's a fun place. You know, yeah. play drums for people. Yeah, a little show late. Show my nip. It's like, ah, nah, 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 nah. yeah, they gotta have like OnlyFans light or something like so that. So check out our OnlyFans. We'll be setting that up soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's gonna, it's yeah, it's gonna be me interviewing people, but I got no shirt on. Sick. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's called Only Flesh. But and if you are sitting at home also with no shirt on, but you need one, uh, heavyholepodcast.com/slash/shop. Oh, buy yourself a shirt. That, that's a nice segue, Justin. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you didn't let your segue skills get rusty while you were away from us. Um, no, I was uh, only near freshwater. Uh, I think that's what the Amazon River is over where they filmed Jungle Cruise. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. No, watch for Justin in yeah. the new Jungle Cruise. Yeah. Also, if you want to, if you want to know how to spell "auto," it's O U G H T A, as in "You Oughta Know," the song by Alanis Morissette. Mm. Uh, very heavy song. Um, very I, nice it, song. It's not necessarily lore anymore. I feel like it's fairly common knowledge that that song is allegedly about Dave Coulier of Full House. Really? That was the rumor. Maybe I'm maybe really? I'm maybe I'm shedding some light for some listeners right now. You can and look that up. That's a that's an awesome take. Any yeah. cooler name than Dave Coulier? I, I, I feel like I feel like he like dumped her over the phone, and then when she started crying, he was like, "Cut it out!" Yeah, right. Like, like hung up on just it. his Daffy Duck <laughs> you know? impression or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's like this is ridiculous. You know, <laughs> suffering succotash. I don't listen. Listen, Alanis obviously <laughs> I recouped. Want. You to know yeah. that I don't watch your show. Whoa, Full House. Just, just, <laughs> Justin, with the, Justin with the remix. Listen, uh, we appreciate you guys listening. We appreciate you doing the Patreon. We appreciate you buying the shirts. We appreciate the necrosexual. Oh yeah, you should call this number six three one eight three seven three two seven four. My yeah, God, I thought do you were it. Say yeah. my number again. You ought to know that number. <laughs> you ought to know that number. If you want to be like Vinnie Patricelli and Tony Baldone and give us your opinion on tube amps or anything, really anything. Uh, should, yeah. yeah. Should we Vents? start an Italians only line? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They're they're gonna start an Italians only line pretty soon if we don't. They, yeah. They're not gonna want to wait. With, you know, past Cody and everybody. One eight hundred collect the vig. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. Listen. Well, listen. <laughs> Dave Coulier had uh, uh, two Michelles <laughs> behind the scenes. But you know how many Justins I got, and I'm glad I'm back on the program? One. One. <laughs> Justin!